The Burroughs of Berea is a conversational podcast. We study the Bible and we talk about it. Not all of us are of the same faith, and one of us doesn't actually have a faith. And that's wonderful. We all love one another, and we're going to continue to talk about these things. The things we believe in and the things we believe about what we read in the Bible. Not all of these are necessarily true. Some of it is opinion and speculation. Thank you for listening and speculating with us. There you go. That was good. Yes. Oops, oops, oops. <laughs> you are listening to the Burrows of Berea. Nody no 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 nody no no notes nody no notes from the underground. Welcome back to the Burrows of Berea. I am Rick Welch, and across from me is Tiziana Severs, the mom who moms so hard. Clean your room. <laughs> <laughs> that was good. Uh, laughing behind the glasses, Rocket Man, Andy Bishop. That was a good one. I, it was actually. I liked it. Yeah. I miss this. Like we only do this like once a month, and so. But it is what it is, you know. I miss you guys. It's fun. Well, not Andy. I, see I get Andy really constantly. excited. Yeah, I don't miss you either, Rick. <laughs> <laughs> so there. I see Andy constantly. But uh, yeah, I like having you in studio, Tiziana. I like being here. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. And we are getting back into Samson and Delilah. And uh, I've been chomping at the bit. And you sent me in a really, really cool email. And I think we should get into that to start with. Yeah. So after we recorded the last episode, you know, there was a, a text chain happening between you and Andy and I, and Andy was real curious about the significance of the line and why the line and what does that mean specifically? Well, it's just my whole thing of, uh, I don't feel like a lion is a corpse because an animal is food. Well, yes. so I started thinking about that. And what started me on this process was like, well, now hold on a second, because uh, the other, one of the other most well-known lifelong Nazarites in the Bible is Samuel. Samuel's mother, Hannah, was barren and went to the temple every year and cried out to God. And when um, the priest Eli was like, you're drunk. She was like, he was like, she was like, no, I'm just that desperate for a baby. And if I have a baby, I will, I will bring him here and I will dedicate him to the Lord. So I will make him a Nazarite. Sure enough, she gets pregnant. She brings Samuel um, to the priest when he is weaned, which is probably between two and three, and then leaves him there. And it says that he um, began serving and acting as like an assistant as in the, the activities of the temple from that time. Let me see if I can find the exact verse. No, I'm, I'm, the specific language, I think, is important. I'm curious. She was desperate for a baby to give up, apparently. Is that what happened? She was desperate for a child, and she told God that if he would give her uh, a child, that he would re she would return the child to him. It was basically opening up her womb. She was barren. Uh, and so, in her mind, if God blessed her with a child, okay. she would give it back. All and right, then she, would, right, and she did. She continued to have more children. Oh, okay. Yeah, she had lots of kids after that. And so, it's, yeah, a lot of times it's kind of like the first one is what opens the floodgates, it up, as yeah. it were. Mm -hmm. um, but he says he regularly ministered before the Lord. That's Samuel 2, 18, and then 3, 1. When you are ministering before the Lord uh, in the temple, oftentimes, most of the time, that included sacrifices. That's what that was. Uh, and because the priests were the ones that made sacrifices for the atonement of the people. And so if you go on further down, um, you know, when Samuel then anoints Saul as the new king of Israel, there's a, a battle happening and Samuel says, hold on a second, I'm going to meet y'all at Gilgal and, and we'll sacrifice to the Lord. But Samuel tarries, he doesn't get there when he says he's going to get there. So, so Saul is like, screw it, I'm going to do it myself. And he sacrifices to the Lord right as Samuel is approaching. And Samuel's like, what have you done? You're not a priest, you've disobeyed. So 
right there, we know that Samuel was not only regularly offering burnt offerings, which included touching dead animals, but anyone else who did it that wasn't a priest is, in, is gonna be in trouble. So I started like going, well, what does that mean? So I reached out to my um, Hebrew Bible professor and I asked him his a good opinion. resource to have, right? Yeah, well, mm-hmm. he also speaks Hebrew. He's fluent, he speaks fluent Hebrew. So when he reads the Old Testament and when he reads the Hebrew Bible, he reads it- In Hebrew. In Hebrew, you or, know? And so, cool. so I was like, what does this mean? And I do not, in fact, speak Hebrew. So he responded with- um, I speak it, I just don't understand it. <laughs> right. right. But you know, it's like, uh, the only other language I speak beside mm-hmm. English is Spanish. And so anytime I see anything like written in like French or like, I tend to like read it, try to read it like it's Spanish because that's the only other language I know. <laughs> right. so, yeah, this is not English. So it's yeah. clearly the other language. So my professor said that the word that used- was funny. Yeah. <laughs> But I mean, it's like, I'm going to try to read Hebrew with a Spanish accent because it's like the only the only other accent I know. So <laughs> he said that in Judges 14.9, um, the word that's used for the carcass of the lion is the same Hebrew word, and it's G-W-H, I suppose, uh-huh. that's used to describe a human body. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas number 6-6 prohibits a Nazarite from contact with a N-P-S-M-T, nipistmnet, Nippest minute. I don't know. I couldn't <laughs> no, even No, I don't begin. speak Hebrew. <laughs> it so, didn't sp- sound Spanish. That didn't no. sound Spanish <laughs> at all. Like, I feel like I've been lied to. Czechoslovakian, you know? Yeah. But so he said, which is the Hebrew word for a corpse. So he said that in his that they're, that the two words are completely different and not the same thing. Huh. So I then did a little Googling and dug into the Babylonian Talmud, which is... After the exile and all the scholars and scribes and artists were taken away to Babylon and they left the poorest of the poor to tend the land. Yeah, this is the Israelites during the Nebuchadnezzar thing Mm -hmm. we talked about. They've exiled them. They've exiled them. Babylon. During that period of time, because so much of Israel's uh, worship of their God was centered around the temple and temple life. And now here they are exiled out of the temple. So they spent a lot of time sort of de- debating the finer points of the law. And so in the Babylonian Talmud, there's there's this whole section on Nazarites and what is the difference between a lifelong Nazarite and another Nazarite, blah, 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 blah. And that this particular question comes up again as well, like what whether or not an animal is a corpse or not. Mm-hmm. And um, so there, they, they, and it's a back and forth. So there's multiple... Um, um, rabbis that are so. This is from the Talmud, this right? From the Talmud, okay. And and they 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 couldn't quite. They had a. They were like went back and forth about it too. And so they also decided that touching a dead animal was not the same as touching a corpse. Which tells you what a great question you had, Andy. Yeah, yeah. You're because, like yeah, they've rabbi been debating level it a long time ago. Yeah. Although they did come to an answer, but it was a question that was asked by yeah. important people that were important in the yeah. structure. Yeah. Now, if you look at the story itself. What's significant about the lion and the honey is the fact that he used it as an opportunity to make a riddle that was unsolvable. Yeah. And when he says to his wife, I didn't even tell my parents, that's when we go back to him giving the honey to the parents and not telling them where it came from. So I, I still say the story is a metaphor about him learning that violence is going to be profitable for him. It's yes, and 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 I think that I think it is significant that he's walking through the vineyard. You're not really, you aren't supposed to do that. Like you're not even supposed to touch the grape skins. Like again, in the Talmud, they do this whole thing where they're like, was it an olive sized amount or is it less than that? You know. So they right. and they get to this thing where they're like, I right, just don't. You know. 
so that's an issue. Uh, I don't. So I don't think you sh- the walking through the vineyard. It's it's more like again like a metaphor for in temptation. Not yeah. even supposed to be there. Uh, you're not even supposed to be there. Pushing you know? the envelope. Pushing the envelope. I'm not touching it, Lord. I'm not touching it. I'm just walking amongst right. it. Right. I'm just looking. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's like when your brother puts their palm of their hand like right up next to your nose, and you're like, Mom. It's like I'm not touching her. Right. <laughs> But the fact that the lion roars in at that point, you know, and then the spirit of the Lord comes on Samson. So even in the face of great temptation, the spirit of the Lord comes upon him and he's powerful enough to kill the mm-hmm. lion. But I think that he, you know, I think he knew what he was planning to do. Like he didn't decide off the dome at the moment to trick the Philistines. Right. He thought of that. And, you know, that was an advance. Mm-hmm. And so I think that there's, it has also, it's a larger, it's a larger picture of Samson's character and Samson's sort of wily nature and his trickery, mm-hmm. you know, because he didn't tell his parents so that they wouldn't possibly know, so that it could be like that he was the only one that knew the answer to this riddle. Yeah, and so I think it has more to do with that. And uh, because, and first of all, thank you for doing that much research because I and, yeah, and for reaching out because it it changed. I'm changing my beliefs. You know, I'm I like that because. A lot of times we get stuck. We read words and we think, okay, you know, yeah, this is the way it is. But it's not so in the Hebrew culture. Yeah. I'm learning that more and more and more. I find out that, wow, like <laughs> there's a lot to this that we don't even realize that the Bible is packed with that stuff. And we're unpacking it with an English-speaking mind in an America. You yeah. know, and so it's we don't even see the culture. No. You know. And and the thing is, is that the Bible, you know, what we consider the Hebrew Bible, you've got, you know, the Pentateuch. <clears throat> which is the first five books, yep. right? Then you have the Deuteronomic history. And then you have, like, you have these divided up periods of time. And even the language within those different books is different mm-hmm. and signifies That's more and more ancient, yeah. yeah, more and more ancient um, cultural beliefs. And so it's also important to dig in what were the a- more ancient cultural beliefs mm-hmm. at this time, you right. know? Um, because God in the third person plural disappears yeah. after the Pentateuch. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, and so, that's fascinating. So, but a lot of Hebrew scholars look at that and go, okay, well, what changed in their belief system as well? Yeah. And so it's the difference. Someone said this to me the other day about died. You have to consider cultural context because a booty call and a butt dial are not the same thing. Yep. That's oh, true. Yeah, yeah. If, uh, where did I, I literally, I think I read that recently or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I read just that. like a, you online. Know, something being the bomb versus dropping a bomb. Totally different yeah, things. Yeah, a booty call and a butt dial, though. That's the perfect one. Oh, it's perfect. That's perfect. But, yeah. but I mean, the bomb versus a bomb, that is just the difference of yeah. um, a, a participle, right? Mm-hmm. Isn't that the— Yeah. A I dangling one. I don't know. Have you ever seen me try to spell? <laughs> I don't know a what you mean. A dangling participle. Those are my favorite. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm just saying— but I'm just saying, like, you know, and a lot of the, a lot of the stuff we run into, especially in the Hebrew Bible, especially in the Greek where there's no punctuation, are those exact same nitty-gritty grammatical issues that change the entire sentence. Mm-hmm. So that's why I reached out to him. Um, my, I love that professor. He's great. Him and his that's, wife are awesome. Yeah, so it so changes. Cool. She's a, yeah. a Jewish woman who's a New Testament scholar, and he is a Protestant Christian man who is an oh. Old Testament <laughs> scholar. <laughs> yeah. They were mix. meant to be. They're great. Yeah. I love them. That's awesome. Talk about interpreting. Yeah, and they're both just other. brilliant, beyond brilliant. That's so, awesome. Yeah. Well, that's good because that changes a little bit. Because um, we should probably do a recap, guys. It's been a while since they've listened mm-hmm. to Samson mm-hmm. and Delilah. Mm-hmm. So I did it in song format. 
Oh, he he did. I wrote Are a little song for you. Oh, Are you ready? I'm so excited. <clears throat> Here we go. And uh, the think of the tune of "Devil Went Down to Georgia." Yeah. Okay. <clears throat> boom, boom, boom. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> so okay. Samson went down to Timna. He was looking for a heifer to steal. <laughs> he was among the vines. He killed a lion and got honey out of the deal. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. That's all I got. <laughs> oh, you gotta keep going. There's gotta be more. No, I'm sure there is. That's great. But that's that's a good recap of where we're at. Yeah, so basically yeah. that's where we were at, you know. And so we were about to get into Judges 15. And where we were was he tells the riddle and they they plow his heifer mm. and they get it, you know, yep. and they get the answer. And so now he's pissed. And he was married. I thought that he betrothal was it not? Was it not? The, the marriage actually happened. That was the marriage supper that yes. they were doing it at. So they, he was married. Yeah. So Samson was married. Samson yeah, was married. There, we talked about the right. and who, where she Because I was what, curious you know. because it just kept saying betrothed. And I understand in their culture, betrothal means marriage. I mean, it really does. Right. But they go away and then they come back and they get you in that culture. I don't know about the Philistines, but I know in the Israelite yeah. culture, there's like a year waiting period. Yeah. Right. So it's so I don't know if he consummated the marriage or not because he stormed off in a huff. But he doesn't because we we learned that in Judges 15. He actually yeah, right. didn't get to consummate. Right. He actually storms off angry and he kills all these men and he steals their clothes right. and pays off the bet from, you know, losing the riddle game there yeah, he did. Yeah. So that's where we're actually picking up. So we've all we've got to that point. Which that's really interesting too because we're talking about whether or not, so that the significance of the lion, the question is whether or not Samson was upholding his Nazarite vow. Right. We had originally said no. Right. Touching the body of the lion by scooping the honey out mm-hmm. was a violation of number six, six, don't touch a corpse. And so he was no longer honoring his his Nazarite vow. Right. Right. We've changed our position on that. That's correct. However, murdering Murder. a bunch of Philistines <laughs> and stripping them of their clothing, that seems, right there, folks, clear. that seems pretty darn clear. So, and that's something they that's argue about in the in the Talmud as well. Sure. They're like, they're like, well, what if he killed them? Is it yeah. But they weren't quite dead. And then oh he took God. the clothes off and then they died. I was waiting for the argument to come out like, like, well, if you killed them, then you can take their clothes. <laughs> yes. So that comes up. But if you think about it. Uh, when he kills the lion, the spirit of the Lord comes upon him, and then he kills him. So, in the in the case where he goes down and he starts wiping out those dudes, um, it says again. He says, "If you had not plowed my heifer, you would not have found out my riddle." And the spirit of the Lord rushed upon him, and he went down to Ashkelon and struck down thirty men of the town. So the spirit of the Lord comes upon him in both cases. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that's why I think those rabbis are like, "Well, wait a minute. If the spirit of the Lord comes upon him, can he make him break his vow?" That's the thing, right? I mean, David or- and them eat their consecrated bread. Yeah, you know, those um, are those moments where Tamar goes and dresses up as a prostitute and sleeps with her father-in-law, which not sleeping with your father-in-law is a big, I mean, like there, when you look at the sexual purity laws in Leviticus, right. don't sleep with your father's husband, don't sleep with your, or you're with your father's wife, don't sleep with your brother's Very wife. Like, modern. Yeah, there's a lot of like, don't do all that stuff. So you have all these examples already in the Hebrew Bible of people who are supposed to follow certain rules and then breaking them. But, you know, I think about like, um, yeah, because this is a real struggle. This is a struggle for me, Rick, honestly, to yeah. see that the Spirit of the Lord came upon him. I, I I tend to look at it as when God's given you a gift, you have that gift. So that spark of the divine that you talk about? Yeah. That was his spark of the divine? Yeah, like he had been his, because the faithfulness of, of his mother, you know, from the womb, making him a Nazarite and, and her faithfulness, I think it structured his DNA somehow, you know, yeah. because what is, well, we'll get into that later, but hair— Mm-hmm. is recycled cellular data. Mm-hmm. When your body has a cell that has 
reached its, its the end of its life. It commits something called apoptosis. The cell dies, and these little microphages come into the cell, and they consume and redistribute anything that might still be useful. And what's left over is keratin protein. Okay. The keratin protein turns into hair and fingernails. It's your body's recycling system. Yeah. Wow, that's cool. So there's something that was on a so whatever Samson did or didn't do. You know, there was some something about that agreement made in the womb on a cellular DNA level, you know, mm-hmm. that existed in his hair, mm-hmm. but maybe it made it possible for him, because that's the other thing you talk about in the Talmud, there must be a difference between these lifelong Nazarites and these ones that make it for a time, even though there's no description of that. Yeah. In the in in the <clears throat> Levitical and um, laws and n- numbers, sorry, n- 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 numbers. All yeah. I do is stutter. Right? Okay, thanks. That was a better. But I mean, so so in the absence of a description, we just have to look at what happened. Yeah. And go. Okay. Well, maybe lifelong Nazarites can touch dead bodies. Well, let's zoom uh, out. Let's zoom out for a second. Okay. So we're we're hyper focused on Judges 14 and where we are and, and all this, okay? Yeah. So let's zoom back out and remember, number one, it's a religious story. Number two, yeah. this is Yahweh versus Dagon. Yeah. He's going after the Philistines. Yeah. So whenever God has a man going to do something towards his enemy, mm-hmm. I'm sure that the vow, there's some flexibility in what's going on, I assume. I don't know. But that's, what we do that's know- how I would play it if I was going to make that argument. Like, God, you know, God, yeah. God could make those decisions. Yeah, well, he's know. going after the, he's going after Dagon. He's going through yeah. these people that are, quote unquote, oppressing his people yeah. on their land. So he's using yeah. Samson- yeah, he's Although, using all of his anger, his sexual desire, his, his lust, ego. his ego. Yeah, all of it. He's using all of him. Yeah, and every time he does, a bunch of Philistines get whacked. Which is so interesting. So, like, I really, really wanted to, I really wanted to say that Samson broke his Nazarite vow, and so he sucks. I really wanted to say that. I, yeah. I was very excited about that, but I don't think I can. I, yeah. I, I, I don't think I, I can. still think he broke it here. The question is whether or not. The Lord gives him a, a hall pass to murder thirty people, mm-hmm. and that's what I'm talking about. Like I'm like I really wanted to be like me, 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 me. He doesn't respect me. Well, but let's maybe. see. Uh, <laughs> what, let's see what kind of a hall pass he gives him in Judges chapter fifteen. All You're right, going to yeah, enjoy yeah, this yeah, one. Good, You're ready? Good. Oh, okay, yeah. So let's get into that. So at this point now, he is off. He's he's super pissed. He's killed all these guys. Yeah, and so he, you know, he needs to go consummate the marriage. That's where we're at. Yeah. Okay, he's married. And he, so Judges fifteen, uh, one through eight. After some days, at the time of wheat harvest, Samson went to visit his wife with a young goat. And he said, I will go into my wife in the chamber. But her father would not allow him to go in. And her father said, I really thought that you utterly hated her, so I gave her to your companion. Is not her younger sister more beautiful than she? Please take her instead. And Samson said to them, This time I shall be innocent in regard to the Philistines, when I do them harm. So Samson went and caught 300 foxes and took torches. And he turned them tail to tail and put a torch between each pair of tails. And when he had set fire to the torches, he let the foxes go into the standing grain of the Philistines and set fire to the stacked grain and the standing grain, as well as the olive orchards. Oh, Jesus Christ, that's horrible on so many levels. (laughs) Then the Philistines said, who has done this? And they said, Samson, the son-in-law of the Timnite. So he definitely was married because he has taken his wife 
and given her to his companion. And the Philistines came up and burned her and her father with fire. And Samson said to them, if this is what you do, I swear I will be avenged on you. And after that, I will quit. And he struck them hip and thigh with a great blow. And he went down and stayed in the cleft of the rock of Etam. So, boy, (laughs) here we go. And it's getting ready to amp up even more. Like, I love this story. So what's happening is dad's like, you know, I thought that you obviously didn't love my daughter. You just walked out. So he's coming back with a young goat and the young goat stuck out. What's that about? You know, is it a sacrifice? I was wondering if it was a sacrifice. Like, is that what happens when you go to get ready to to consummate? You like tear a young goat and burn it and then go have- I, You know, like like that's a that's a question for Levitical law, right? Yeah. Like I think that, that the solution to that might just be buried somewhere. It might have also been he brought it to slaughter and for a feast. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, it might have been because imagine if your husband walked up and gave you a young goat now. Oh, be I'd like, be thrilled. I know we'd be like, oh, it's a goat. You guys so got enough. Romantic. Yeah. You guys got enough. <laughs> I would solve some problems. You guys got a big have. lawn that's not flat. Too. Oh yeah. Oh <laughs> listen. Yeah. yeah. If Dylan brought home a goat, I'd be like, "You're a genius." <laughs> yeah. We don't, we don't never have to, have to mow again. Again. Yeah. Yeah. So I, it, there's lots of reasons. I mean, I think that I think there's lots of potential. I mean, it might have been bringing the young goat is also was a sign of sort of some repentance on his part yeah. to bring a goat to slaughter and have a feast. You know, he didn't come empty handed. Right. Uh, Cause I'm not, I'm digging through my brain. I'm not recalling any particular sacrifices required mm-hmm. at a marriage ceremony. Yeah, but, I don't know. So he brings I, a young goat. We yeah. know that he gets there and the father-in-law stops him. And is like, look, uh, and in other in the in some of the other Bibles I've read, this companion actually means best man. Mm-hmm. It was the yeah. best man of his wedding yeah. that was that his wife was given to. So mm-hmm. she's already consummated another marriage with his best man while he was down pouting, and so he comes back with the goat. He's ready to do his thing, and the father in law has done this, and so because of that, he gets super pissed. He says, "This time I will be innocent," which seems to recognize he that last time I shouldn't have done what I did. That's right. He might be experiencing a little remorse and regret that he did what he did. Yeah, he's went down. He's blown off some steam. He's one of those guys that kicks the wife down the stairs and says, I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. Yeah, kind of. Yeah. yeah. I yeah. mean, let's look at it. That's because true. now he's like, now if I do it, I'm innocent this yeah. time. Right? Right. He's, he's sort of a, a narcissist, right? So, <laughs> so then— Gaslighter. There you go. It was your fault I killed 30 dudes last time. Now, I want you to notice (laughs) that the standing grain means they've already done all the planting, the hard work. They've got it. It's about harvest time. Yeah. It's ready to harvest. Well, they said that when he goes down, when the wheat is ready to harvest, he goes down. Yeah. Yeah. That's devastating. Oh, God. That's a devastating economic blow. That's that's brutal. Women and children are going to starve to death now. I got to tell you something. For the first time in my life, and I'm embarrassed to say this, but I grew a garden this year. I've never done it. My wife introduced me to gardening, and so I've I've got corns, like green beans and squash and zucchini and all this stuff. And let me tell you something. There's some work that goes into this thing. Like, you really got to—I mean, it's not just mm-hmm. like—you got to tend it, and you got to work it. And then when you finally get—you start seeing the fruits, right, starting to come off, right? And then you go to bed, and you get up the next day, and a wild turkey has destroyed an, all of your corn. Like, oh, no. all I could think about was I could strangle it. yeah. Just so that I could get the joy out of watching it die after it killed all my <laughs> yeah. stuff. And listen, I don't even care for corn. But it was just like all, all of that, that work. work. Now imagine your entire harvest. That's not even what you depend on to I, live. I'm not going right. to depend on it. Yeah, this you is can, at a last ditch effort, you can go to Chick-fil-A. That's right. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah. If I was going to, yeah. the corn would probably end up in some sort of a salsa. Yeah. For me, right. you but, know. Yeah. Now imagine if you literally, if your life and the lives of your children literally depended on that. Yeah. yeah. And I got to use a teasy on a phrase. The fact that he tied those 300 foxtails together took a minute. That yeah. took a minute. <laughs> took a minute. <laughs> right. Like he thought he was that mad. This is a vengeful man. Also, 300 foxes died. That's uh, right. Well, were burned alive <laughs> yeah. as they ran. Terrified. Terrified. We're burned. Yeah. Awful. And I want you to note, it doesn't say the spirit of the Lord came upon him to do it. So yeah. now we got Samson in his full anger. Yeah. And he's killing animals. Mm-hmm. He's destroying harvests. Yeah. He's doing yeah, everything. That's... Like he is literally on a war We're path. getting a little bit of a sense of the ego and the vengeful nature of this man outside of when God chooses to utilize those for his purposes. So, yeah. do you remember from our very first part of this? Yeah. What Dagon means, what the word was. Yeah, it was the harvest. It's grain. Yeah, he was the, the god harvest. of the grain and harvest. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. what's happening here? Yeah. Is it's you got to think again. Yeah. God is yeah. using this man and he's going directly at the heart of who that god was. Right. He's destroying the harvest. So yeah. this is, you know, right. it's Samson's a lot more than just he got his hair cut, right? Yeah, so, Samson had so no idea more. too. Like, and that just is like a huge metaphor also for the times and ways that we have no idea what God's doing and we're just a tool. Yes. Yeah. So now he has done all this and he he strikes the people. He's like, I will be avenged on you. And after that, I will quit. And he does. He hip and thigh is what they use in the Old Testament. Like that means he just stomped him good. You see, <laughs> Andy's yeah. petting the cat like the Godfather. I know. <laughs> what is it? Is it Greg? Yes. He, sometimes Gregula or Evil Greg. Gregula. Y'all at home are missing out on the tootest little kitten. Yeah, the tootie tootie putty you cat. Can, you can hear how cute he is. <laughs> so cute. He's getting big so fast. Sorry. So no, I, I'm not I love sorry. It. Me either. So now let's see what happens here. All right. So Samson is technically a wanted man at this point. He's hiding in the cleft of a rock because he's in hiding. He's Mm -hmm. on the run. And um, so he's kind of a long-haired, crazy, strong foxfire bit of man, right? So on a warpath. So let's go on. Judges 15, 9 through 20. Then the Philistines came up and encamped in Judah. As you said, they were next-door neighbors to the Danites. And made a raid on Lehi. And the men of Judah said, why have you come up against us? They said, we have come up to bind Samson to do to him as he did to us. Then 3,000 men of Judah went down to the cleft of the rock at Etam and said to Samson, do you not know that the Philistines are rulers over us? What then is this that you have done to us? And he said to them, as they did to me, so have I done to them. Now, is that true? Yeah, right. And they said to him, we have come down to bind you that we may give you into the hands of the Philistines. Now, that's interesting. Mm-hmm. His own people are coming down to bind him because he's a wanted man. And they're afraid of the Philistines, I'm assuming, right? Yeah, they're afraid of the Philistines. And also, Samson was being a jerk. Right. Yeah, I, I and think so, like, it was so, yeah, I, that's so wildly beyond what the he pale. he did was so yeah. much... And so they're like, look, you know, these guys are scary. They 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 are right next door to us. They're like they could really harm us. Like we don't want to provoke these people more than we should have. And like you 
just did this crazy, ridiculous thing. And so, you know, if your death is going to solve all of our problems, then like, go on ahead, sir. I just realized what the young goat was for. It was a peace offering. Yeah. And that's what they're about to do with him. That makes sense. Yes, because that's what I was saying. Maybe he was fearing some remorse and said, let's bring you this goat. I'll slaughter it. We'll have some food. And so they're doing the same with him now. Yeah. They're going to bring him up to bring peace. As a peace offering. Yeah. Ooh, I like it. So let's see where we go. So they said to him, so Samson says to them, swear to me that you will not attack me yourselves. Like, don't kill me and take me up there. Just, and and the. They said to him, no, we will only bind you and give you into their hands. We will surely not kill you. So they bound him with two new ropes and brought him up from the rock. When he came to Lehi, the Philistines came shouting to meet him. Then the spirit of the Lord rushed upon him and the ropes that were on his arms became as flax that has caught fire and his bonds melted off his hands and he found a fresh jawbone of a donkey and put out his hand and took it. And with it, he struck 1,000 men. And Samson said, and I did, I did the math, by the way, I'll tell you the math here in a second. And Samson said, with the jawbone of a donkey heap upon heaps, with the jawbone of a donkey have I struck down a thousand men. As soon as he had finished speaking, he threw away the jawbone out of his hand, and that place was called Ramath-Lehi, and he was very thirsty, and he called upon the Lord and said, You have granted this great salvation by the hand of your servant, and shall I now die of thirst and fall into the hands of the uncircumcised? And God split open the hollow place that is at Lehi, and water came out from it. And when he drank, his spirit returned, and he revived. Therefore, the name of it was called in Hakor, the spring of him who called. It is at Lehi to this day. And he judged Israel in the days of the Philistines, 20 years. So that's the end of 15. Mm-hmm. He just drops the drop on like, drop, like mic drop. Boom. <laughs> yeah. Donkey drop. Just done. Beat a thousand people with <laughs> yeah. a jawbone. That's, that's exactly right. And so yeah. if you think about it, so I was thinking about how long does this last? It doesn't really tell you. Like how long it lasts, right? So if I take 24 hours and divide it by 1,000 men, that he's killing 0.02 men uh, every every second. How do, oh, let me do this by minutes. So 24 times 60 is 1,440 minutes in a day. So that's less than one a minute. He's killing less than one a minute with the jawbone of an ass, right? For 24 k- full hours. 1,000 men. Killed or striking. He killed a thousand men. Killed a thousand men. They're all dead. So yeah. that's that's less no. than a man per. I mean, that's more than a man per second. What? I mean, per per minute. Per per minute. Yeah, per minute. That makes more much more sense. For twenty four full hours. <laughs> that's twenty four hours. Well, of if killing. he did it in twenty four hours, and I don't know, like maybe he did it in. I, I yeah. Is it this one of those Old Testament numbers things? Yeah, because I mean, like it was the, more like ten men, but they called it a thousand. They do that. I, they Let's do. be honest. We do know that. There's actually yeah. a lot of evidence that there was a Hebrew present in Israel. Hebrew presence that somehow or another escaped, yeah. but not in the numbers that they say. Right. Like, so I don't, you know, listen. <laughs> I caught a fish and it was this big, you know? Right. Like, so it's, po- but yeah. it doesn't matter. He still took a jawbone, spirit of the Lord came upon him. He broke the binds like flax and just beat the tar out of a bunch of folk. However many it was, it was a lot. Yeah. You it was know? enough it was to where when he was done, him. he was yeah. so thirsty that he was at the point of death. Okay. Yeah. Can you imagine, like, yeah, the labor, the Hagar labor of a physical fight. Hagar and Ishmael can imagine. Not that I've 
Not that I've been yeah. in a lot of them, but the labor of a physical fight is intense. Yeah. That's why those UFC fighters train their like entire lives to stay standing up for 20 minutes. <laughs> Greg is all about your cord so and he's cute. jumping on him. Y'all, and <laughs> this tiny kitten is like jumping on Andy's headphone cord and like leaping into the air and grabbing onto his pants and hanging free fall. It's really cute. Yeah, I'm trying not to let it break. My, it's my really thought. cute. But yeah, so, you know, but that, that yeah. So I, I make the mention of Hagar and Ishmael who also cried out and was like, you, you did this, like you owe us. You know, this is not our fault. If you're not familiar with the story, this is Abraham was promised a son and through his wife, wife, Sarah, Sarah, who was old, who was barren and barren, but it doesn't happen in his timing. And so he goes, Sarah's timing. Abraham didn't have anything to do with that. Sarah's the one that's like, take Hagar. Yeah, yeah, no, no, no. I guess that's what I meant. In man's timing, like they they weren't being patient enough to wait on God. Yeah, Sarah wasn't being patient enough yeah. to wait on God. That's one of the few times where I will blame a woman. Yeah. <laughs> and then she throws him out. You won't hear me do that often. Like she was a yeah. nagging wife and told Abraham, get him out of here. Yeah, because then when she finally had her own baby, yeah. she was like, oh, that that servant woman. So they kicked him out and they were wandering in the desert and she cried out to, to the Lord because they were on the point of death from from uh, the dying of thirst. I mean, the, yeah, the, the, the desert. desert. Yeah. And God opens a spring and Ishmael and his way. So, I mean, I think that's like, there's also something to be said there too about God doing that. But we're learning a lot about Samson yeah. himself. We do know that he is an incredibly powerful man mm-hmm. when the spirit of the Lord comes upon him, especially. But he has that ego like that. But that's what I mean when I'm saying that sometimes when God gives you a gift, it's just embedded in your DNA Yeah, because he could utilize that gift even when he didn't have the spirit of the Lord. Mm-hmm. So when the spirit of the Lord came upon him, all of a sudden that's when he's using that gift in that religious setting, fighting, it's it's the big battle between Hashem and Dagon at that point. But even when it's not part of the story of, of God saying, I'm ruler even over this other God, Samson can still, you know, knock some heads. It's still, that's, it's that's still right. a hammer, even when you put it yeah, down. Yeah, still a hammer. Yeah, so, so it's he's, interesting. He's destroyed a harvest. Yeah. He's... Destroyed a thousand of their men. He's caused the murder of his wife and father-in-law, who were absolutely one hundred percent innocent throughout this entire experience. That's exactly right. They got caught up in the Samson problem. Yeah, you know, in his ego. I wonder if his dad was relieved when Samson stormed off. Probably. And was like, he sounds like I can a give treat. her. I can give her to the best man, who was actually a Philistine, one of our people. You know, I wonder if he kind of had hoped that Samson was. You know. Yeah, like. Maybe, yeah. you know, maybe you we imagine this kid, I mean, he's a psycho. Psychopath. I'm a mother. No, I can't imagine. I would never, under any circumstances, let somebody like that marry my daughter. Right. I, yeah. I, I would, you know, he would, they were pressured on all sides into this, I think. Yeah. Well, I think this is a good place to end this part three oh. uh, of this right here. Okay. Um, because I want to, I want to take a lot, the end of 15 going into 16. It's one of those precious places where they've split a chapter when I feel like you you sort of break in the story. So I'm going to go ahead and do that. And we're going to go at the end of 15 and go into 16, which is the final chapter about Samson. So we're going to learn a lot more in the next episode. So, but I don't want to end without telling a joke because that's just, you know. Oh, I have one. Okay. Then I don't want to tell it. I've only got one today. So you I've tell it in this part. A really good one. Okay. Um, I only believe 12.5% of the Bible. I think I've heard this, and I, uh, I okay. Why? I guess it makes me a one atheist. <laughs> oh. 
I love it. I kind of wait to say that. Oh, that just made me think of a number one. Um, who was the Who was the greatest financier in all of the Bible? Noah. While he was floating in all his stocks, the others were in liquidation. Oh, great. That's good. <laughs> Terrible. All right. Well, thanks for being in studio, Tiziana. And Andy, oh, yeah. thanks so much. I know we've got a big week ahead of us. This cat's climbing my leg. <laughs> Greg, Gregula. That is so Yeah, cute. yeah. Very exciting this yeah. weekend. I don't this know weekend. what order they're hearing things in, but. Yeah, they'll they'll have already heard this before they actually get into it. We're, we're going to Virginia Beach and we're recording six men and it's going to be awesome. I'm very excited. You two are? Yeah. yeah. Well, me and Andy, actually the boroughs are going. Oh, road trip. Yep. Road trip. Yep. Okay, we'll take notes like for the that. underground on a road trip. Okay. We will. We'll do it. Okay. How about Maui? Ma- <laughs> I think that's a very religious place that we should go record a podcast at. Uh, not Maui. <laughs> I, that's my stomping grounds. <laughs> Sorry, I don't have the money. Oh, that's like not Maui. That's high school. Yeah, that's I went to high true. school in Maui. I, I wasn't even thinking that. You weren't that. even thinking about that, but that actually, we do have live lots of connections there we could we could have an interesting podcast i would probably fight with everybody flight, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well thanks everybody for listening tiziana andy thanks for being here and we will talk to you next time on the burrows of berea sweet see ya hey guys this is rick from the burrows of berea do you know how much blood sweat and tears it takes to make a podcast none but that doesn't mean that it doesn't cost a lot. And so if you guys don't mind, if anybody would like to give to help us with these episodes, it would be great. We'll put out even more content. And if you go to our Patreon page, just search for the Burrows of Berea, you'll get extra notes, extra episodes, and it's pretty much free. A dollar gets you a lot. Thanks, guys. The land lie fallow. Yeah. So I just laughed at that. And I was like, Lord, you're just giving me such a gift. You're telling me not only am I been given permission to just not work right now, you're telling me that my faithfulness to not work and just focus on these babies is actually part of your grander plan for me. Because what happens when you let the land lie fallow? It rejuvenates. That's right. It it brings the health back. It brings the health back. And so God's like, God was like, girl, just can relax. <laughs> can you just relax? You know? So I'm doing that. And I'm, so I'm talking to my friend Ashley the other day and she was just like, and I'm, so I'm listening to her, this miracles, miracles, miracles. And finally God goes, are you listening to this? And I was like, yeah. And God goes, when you're ready to get back into the workforce, I will do the same thing for you. Stop worrying so much. <laughs> yeah. And I started awesome. bawling. So we're not worried about the, um, we're not worried about the, the finances. The finances. And- well, the, 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 the life insurance part was a big deal. That's actually a really big deal for us because his job is dangerous. So, but again, that once we got that sorted out and we have this this great plan that we'll have the we'll have the accidental death insurance until we're 80. And it covers any kind of accident. So if he gets electrocuted at work, if he falls off a ladder, if there's some some kind of, you know, electrical whatever, whatever, anything that's not related to like, you know, a physical ailment. So if he gets cancer, it's not a big deal. But if he dies of anything at all, um, you know, we'll get the $250,000. And if he doesn't die after 30 years, we can cancel and we should get all our premiums back. So then it'll be like a savings plan. That's right. Yeah. And so that made us, that just both of us just were like, because his job That's is funny. we can't live we can without study, insurance. Like we can study ancient, you know, like you can read the Babylonian Talmud and all yeah. this stuff. I cannot navigate insurance. Yeah. <laughs> like it's, it's, I can read the Bible, yeah. but I cannot navigate insurance. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's Well, and I'm, I'm barely good at it, you know, because I started that job in November, but same thing, like, 
it's just like every time I was booking appointments and then like kid would be out of school or I was, you know, like yeah. I was booking appointments and then I would have like a horrible day where I was sick to my stomach. So I wasn't honoring the Jubilee year. Mm. And so- Of course, you couldn't honor what you didn't know. Once you learned it, then- Right. Exactly. Exactly. But the thing is, God had been telling me to stop and just breast, you know? Mm. And so um, so I was like, okay, maybe you just mean stop doing hair. Maybe you didn't mean stop all the way, Right. And I think it'll work. I need well, the thing is, is that now that Dylan's jo- not working at a toxic job that is wrapped in and around like a bunch of toxic masculinity, that the only thing you really bring to the table as a man is work. Yeah. Once Now that he's outside of that situation, he'll be home by five o'clock. So I can do, I can come do an evening podcast. Yeah. And I, and I did, I did think about, I'm thinking about, I would love to do it. I would love to do the next notes from the other ground on Mary Magdalene and I would, and head that You out. do the lead. Yeah. Because one of the things I think is what I'm curious about um, is this kind of this concept that Mary Magdalene was a prostitute. It doesn't say that anymore. No, she had seven demons. But that's all it says. And nothing and about prostitution. Right. And there's a lot of like assumptions mm-hmm. that um, the woman who, the woman of ill repute that comes to Jesus when he's at the Pharisee supper and anoints his head with the expensive oil. And the Pharisees are like, oh, you know, if, if they knew who she was, a lot of people assume that's Mary Magdalene, but the Bible doesn't say that. No. It doesn't say that. No. And actually, I've been doing some research in general on like the history of women in in the church, not in the Bible, but in the period of time directly following the death of Christ and the establishment of the church. There has been, we've found inscriptions in Hebrew temples that are venerating women priests and, and women patrons. There's been a numerous like gravestones found where the same word used to describe like a deacon or a church planner is used to describe women. It wasn't until much later that women were removed from places of leadership and authority. Women it was having the Catholic Church that stopped right. it. Right. So women being um wealthy patrons being I mean even Paul addresses Paul in Paul's letters all of the time. He's constantly addressing women leaders of the church. He's yeah. constantly addressing women patrons of the church. Priscilla. So there's nothing that right. And and saying their names first which is an issue which is a big deal. Yeah. It's only Man, English translations that. that moved the word deacon that we used to describe like of elder and leader in the church. Now, of course, you have that in First Timothy that women shouldn't this and women shouldn't that. And that's where you get a lot of the like anti-feminist um, approaches. But Timothy wasn't written by Paul. Hmm. It says that's, it is though, right? Well, it's, I don't, it says that it is. At the very beginning. But pseudopigrapha was a big part of, of those old ancient letters. And Greek scholars- have done comparative studies like on the way that it was written, certain languages that Paul uses. There's the undisputed letters, the undisputed epistles. There's the, I don't know, maybe epistles. And then there's, there's no way he wrote this epistles. And mm-hmm. First Timothy is one of them. So I tend to appreciate First Timothy in terms of this was a specific issue, maybe facing this particular congregation mm-hmm. where they had some gender issues and some gender roles that were challenging. Um, you know, when you look back, into gender roles and gender ideology of the day. Like, I can appreciate that. I don't think that that was supposed to be for everybody. There was an entire, I know what you're talking about. Yeah. There was an entire group of women. There were women priests for a pagan god, and their form of worship was shout down. And what they did was they they didn't allow men to speak. It was the opposite. Mm. And they would shout men down. And so I think what they were battling was, Mm -hmm. okay, we're not going to allow that. I don't, it's not about women talking, but no. but you know, of course, you let man get a hold of anything long enough, they'll turn it into a well. You know, and a another thing, thing that's really sure. it, yeah, exactly another thing that's really interesting. 
when I was in Spain the first time, uh, there's a town called Toledo, Spain. And Toledo's a really important town because at various points in time, it it was like a had a big Jewish congregation, had a big Muslim congregation, and it had a big Christian congregation. And there's something, there's like, that is, it's called like the city of peace because they just decided we're not gonna do this whole thing where we fight with each other about that. We're just gonna be here. And so one of the oldest Jewish synagogues is there. And so when you're in that church, you can also see that there was seating above and there was seating below. Well, the women sat up here and the men sat down here. And so if women were going to ask a question, they were going to be like shouting down from this, these top. I mean, you can, that you can see it when you walk into the church. It's how oh, wow. it was built. And so there's also that. Yeah. Too. So there's all these cultural reasons. But in that regard, um, I think that it's I think it's misogyny that likes to label Mary Magdalene as a prostitute because it's convenient. It gives us the opportunity to um, downplay her power. Um, it's also I never thought of that as a slight against her. I always thought it was a uh, a compliment to the character of Jesus. It, well, and, it, and maybe that comes from not being a woman, but I didn't like, I wasn't like, yeah. oh, that bitch was a hoe. Right. No, I was like, see, Jesus didn't give a shit. Well, Jesus didn't give a shit. But even then, it's like, it, it, it again, it turns it into a compliment of Jesus' character instead of a compliment of Mary oh, Magdalene's right. No, that's fair. No, and obviously, so even yeah. in that regard, it, yeah, it takes the focus true. away from her being a human being that had enough finances to financially support the movement. Yeah. Among other women. Yeah. It was women that supported his ministry. Yeah. And the fact that, you know, what's interesting, if you read the Gospel of Mary Magdalene, which we will bring into the topic of discussion. Of course, I hope so. Yeah. um, She begins, begins in the very beginning. (laughs) such a raging feminist. She begins to speak. Yeah. (laughs) I love it. So is Jesus. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm in good company. But, But Mary Magdalene begins to speak. And one of the disciples is like, excuse me, female person with uterus and whatnot, shut up. And one of the other apostles is like, no, stop. Jesus talked a lot to her privately in ways that he didn't talk to us. This is after Mary Magdalene's gospel begins after the crucifixion of Christ. Mm-hmm. So it's after, right? And they're like, the guys, I think, I think it might even be Paul or it might even be Peter. That is like, I think it's Thomas that is like, shut up. And it's Peter that's like, no, wait, hold on a second. He spent a lot of one-on-one time with her. So it is it is very possible that he said stuff to her that he didn't say to us. And he's gone now, so we need to grasp at any straw. Mary, go ahead and tell us what you want to say. The rest of the text is destroyed. Really? Yep, the rest well, all, of the text is All the way up destroyed. to that point. Isn't that nice? Yeah. And then she said— And then it's destroyed. Mm, yeah, wow. <laughs> That's awful. Yeah. I wonder if that was intentional or just time. Of course it was. Of no, course it was. Intentional. It was 100% intentional. I promise so you the other half brutal. of that is somewhere buried in the Vatican. Yeah. Well, and you know, it's same with the— the, the catacombs. The, yeah. the, um, the, what is it, prescription, proscription, that priests remain unmarried as part of the whole Catholic yeah. tradition— that's not biblical. It's not biblical at all. It's not biblical at all. And um, it was, again, that was also designed to control women. By the way, mm-hmm. I've been doing a study um, through the Berean Bible Church on Thessalonians. Mm. And David Curtis brought out something out of First Thessalonians, Thessalonians 4 that I'd never heard before. There's a place where he talks about, where Paul says, look, that a man, that it's not acceptable for sexual immorality that a man should control his body and such and such, okay? 
and I'm not going to read it because we're going to get into Samson today, but he says, that's actually a bad translation. Let me show you how to translate this. Mm. And it says that we should abstain from sexual immorality, that a man should know when to take a wife. Oh, yeah. In other words, if not you're out there just beat hammered, your body into submission. So why was it translated control? They yeah. use that. The priests take that very literally. Mm-hmm. And they're like, oh, I can't do anything. You know, but for some reason, little boys was okay. I mean, not, it was a well, thing. It was real. I'm not just picking on them, guys. It was a real thing. Yeah. We know that it happened. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that it was covered up by the Catholic Church. Mm-hmm. We know that. And it's not even just, I mean, not even just boys. They didn't even just children. Like, yeah, children. All children. Children. You know? Oh, I didn't. Well, I was only aware of the boys. Oh, no. I mean, yeah. like, there's it's been, just, so the Pope just recently flew to Canada to apologize to a lot of the, the indigenous population there mm. because of the rampant child sexual abuse. And it was not just boys. What would happen is a priest would get accused in one of their larger dioceses of some such thing. And rather than punish them, they would send them to That's like the, the frontiers. That's the wild part. They didn't even just, they didn't, no. they didn't fire them. They just no. moved them to a place. They moved them to the middle of nowhere, you know which why was they didn't these fire indigenous them. populations. Why? There's a reason why they didn't fire them. I didn't know. Because they take another biblical verse that says that we should not be in a secular court, that we should manage it within ourselves. They've taken yeah, yet another can, verse out of scripture. Your management can be firing a fool. Yeah, for real. That's the uh, whole point. The but, whole point is that no, actually, it's wrong. They should be taken to a criminal oh yeah, court, absolutely, because it's a crime. Sure. Yeah, yeah. You know? absolutely. They weren't talking about that. True. They were just talking but about they just, like they religious wouldn't even things. take the. They wouldn't even just wash their hands of that person, let alone make that person an, like. Yeah, they would just move them to nowhere. To the Another leadership yeah. area somewhere else. But see, that's my issue with purity culture, and that's a whole other conversation. Yeah, I think purity culture is disgusting, and I don't think it's actually biblical. I really don't. Um, I think a lot of the, especially because we see too many opportunities where people utilize sex outside of the marriage contract and it's part of God's plan, right? Like like I say this all the time, Esther, having to spend a night with the king, what do y'all think they were doing in there? Playing Scrabble? They weren't. And and like um, Tamar, who dresses as a prostitute in order to sleep with her her father-in-law in order to bring an heir to her children, mm-hmm. bring, bring, an heirs, bring heirs to her dead husbands. And when Tamar is discovered for who she is, She's what does he say? She's righteous. So what I think it has to do with is the fact that girls were married off like immediately when they had their period. Mm-hmm. Don't have sex with a girl before marriage is don't have sex with a child. Right. I think. And I think no, purity I think, culture, no, that, culture has correct. gotten way out of hand. And I'm not saying that sex is not beautiful and powerful and special and should be treated with respect because I do think that that's the case. Especially with me. Absolutely. (laughs) That's how I treat it with Rick. Cause he's too hot, too hot, too hot to hold, baby. Yeah. Gotta watch it. Gotta watch it. No, but I mean, when you, anytime you create a prohibition, you will create an underground. Yeah. We see this with liquor. I I've wondered if like on some level that whole that whole like prohibition slash underground the the knock on effects of a sexual prohibition I've wondered many years if that's on some level not on purpose. Oh, that's interesting. Like they wanted to. Yeah, like I, on some level, like I don't think it's a conscious decision, but I don't know something about it. You're just like, well, I don't know. That's, that's well, probably just wild speculation. Yeah, who made money on yeah. it? But I mean, but the, but but back. But in the terms of our discussion, you know, you make something taboo. All of a sudden, it's the only thing you want: the apple in the garden. Yeah. And so, sure. creating a taboo around sex and sexuality, and it creates uh, a sort of tension that then makes sexuality overblown. 
Yeah. And, yeah. And, and, and overexcited. I have two daughters. I am, I'm not going to teach them to wait until they're married to have sex. I'm not. I'm going to teach them that sex is sacred, that sex is powerful, that sex creates human beings, and that is, sex is allowing uh, uh, a human is, yeah. being into the temple of your body. It is emotionally very difficult to navigate. It is emotionally yeah. and spiritually challenging. I'm going to instill in my daughters the power and the importance of sexuality. And then I'm going to let them go from there. Mm-hmm. Now, I will hope that if I do it right, they will wait until they are, uh, you know, ready. But I mean, that whole don't have sex till you're married thing got me 23 years old, a virgin and raped at a birthday party. Yeah. Instead of having sex with like my high school boyfriend who I deeply loved. If there, you know, and I often wonder if we, if we're able to train up our children mm-hmm. in the way that they should go, like the scripture says, mm-hmm. it says when they're old, they will return to it. Mm. That tells you something about what's going to happen in their brains. So we know that, you know, we know that the human brain especially isn't fully formed until 25 or after. Mm-hmm. And so to say, train up a child in the way they should go when they're old, they will return to it means that we're going to give them all, we're going to try to instill all the lessons. Because I mean, I had premarital sex mm-hmm. and, you know, I've been married more than once. Mm-hmm. And so... With the relationship that I'm in right now and how wonderful my relationship is with my wife, we've had these conversations where we're like, I wish you were the one. I I wish Mm. that I would have met you then. I wish that I had the brain that I have now. And I wish I could have that oneness with you Mm -hmm. back whenever I was having kids and Mm -hmm. and doing all that. I really wish. I wish, I wish, I wish. Mm -hmm. So we do our best to train. And I think it's good that you take, I mean, you're taking that incredibly seriously and you want your daughters to know. Yeah. You know, like this is, this is the thing. And, you know, there's no sense in, of course, we could go on for hours. We got to get yeah. on to Samson. But yeah. I think I think that, you know, it's it's a critical thing to sit down with your children and to also be the example, to live the example. And you're yeah. right. I mean, and when I was 23, I was a madman. You just hope that it's yeah. on the on the not-so-bad side of whack because yeah. kids are going to make mistakes. Kids are going to make mistakes. And That's right. Yeah. yeah, I mean, shoot, listen. Yeah, yeah, right. Uh, there's certainly been some sex I regret. <laughs> yeah. Not all of it, though. <laughs> some of it was really, really good. Some of it I learned a thing or two about a thing or two, frankly. You know? Uh, but, I mean, but this is a note from the underground. Let's but, dig it a little but again, deeper. I, I no, was married kidding, before, no. too. You know, yeah. I was married before, too. Sure. And so, And so, yeah. So, I mean, you know, I, I if I, if I, if I teach them why it's important, if I teach them why it's sacred, if I teach them what it means, they will decide for themselves to wait until it is sacred, to wait until it is important, to wait until it means something. Yeah. And are you going to tell them, like, do you, and what I'm about to say, this is not up or down judgment. What, yeah, sure. Okay. I'm just saying, are you going to tell them, like, what the sanctity of marriage actually is? Oh, yeah, of course. And how God looks at marriage and how we are mm-hmm. the bride of Christ. And that is that. Mm-hmm. The, a lot of things that are being said in the scriptures are mm-hmm. in regard to that relationship, you mm-hmm. know, to let them know that, you know, if you can, 
if you can hold out and try to find a spouse that has the same kind of thought that you have, you could have a oneness that doesn't have all the extra stuff to bring with it. Yeah, which is of course. Unique. It would be, I would wish yeah. that upon my own kids. I, I would, would want that for them. And I also don't want them to live in a world where uh, there's a lot of judgment that if it doesn't work out that way. That's right. And that's the bottom line. Yeah, sure. Because we're all vying for, for perfection and not a single one of us hits the head on the nail on the head there. Nope. <laughs> you know? No. I mean, and so I, I think that that's really what I'm trying to say. You know, I mean, her dad and I are married, but I mean, her dad and I, Dylan and I lived together for two years and had a kid before we got married. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, I'm a living example of what it looks like for God to say, I'm telling you, this is the one for you. And, And then having to watch Dylan go through like crawl through. Have you ever seen Shawshank Redemption? Yes. Oh, yeah. When he gets out of prison by crawling through the poo tunnel. <laughs> yeah. Like I, God told the me this is the tunnel. one for you. And then I had to watch Dylan do that. You know? <laughs> sure. You know, and the whole time, you know, and, and, and we had lots of fights about marriage because what marriage means to me was something very different than it means to him. Cause he wasn't raised Christian. He wasn't raised with the culture of it. Right. Yeah. Of course. Of course, now that we're married, we have conversations and he's like, this is amazing. This is the best ever. Yeah. <laughs> He's a he's a sweet man. He's a very sweet man, and he loves calling me his wife and stuff. I mean, it's just lovely. But Dylan had to get there on his own. He wasn't going to get there because I told him the Bible said so. Yeah, he was going to get there in a genuine way, mm-hmm. and that's what I want for my kids. I don't want them doing anything because the Bible says so. I don't. Mm-hmm. I want them doing everything because it's been written on the tablet of their heart, and they understand why. Yeah, and so that's my goal with my kids. That's awesome. That and don't get pregnant because the world's going to force you to have a baby whether you want to or not. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> Depends on which state you're in. Yeah, right. well, yeah. Anyway. This one this one's starting next year. Uh, North Carolinians, uh, I don't know how you fall. There's probably plenty of people here that are pretty firmly anti-abortion. But uh, whether or not abortion is legal in North Carolina will come down to uh, how large the uh, congressional state minority is mm-hmm. in the next election. That will be the deciding factor. Hmm. And whether or not abortion is legal or illegal in North Carolina after the next election. I actually cycle. like that, though, Andy, because if you can put it into the hands of yeah, the people— Yeah, but you're not—you're not—you have— you haven't looked at how badly North Carolina is like gerrymandered on like a gold okay. medal so, level. So gerrymandering, so, yes, I understand so, that. So like, so the idea of representation is great, but the reality of it is pretty terrible. You, does that make sense in a no. lot of places? In North Carolina is that's why there's been court case, court case, court case, yeah. court case about North Carolina because mm-hmm. North Carolina is like gold medal level gerrymandered for the Republicans. What you're seeing in North Carolina is not complete representation. North Carolina is a divided state, absolutely. Yeah, but the level you're seeing it's. It's much more even, and uh, they have like 60% of the seats, or the Republicans have like 60% of I the just seats, think and that's not how the population falls. And if you if you check, if you just took a vote on whether the population at large thought nationwide, but probably also in North Carolina, at large thought that uh, abortion should be legal, the majority is absolutely yes. So yes what? Legal, for legality. That abortion it's is like legal. above. It's like sixty percent or a little bit better. Okay, nationwide. so so when so, I said, all right, so, so we are going, a blue state because we, are, we have we have a democratic you know governor, well, and we are a blue state, and mostly I mean, on the western part and on the far eastern part, the middle part of the. Well, it's hard to say. I yeah, mean, we're mostly it's just democratic. like everywhere else. When you cram a bunch of people together, you get more. But Jerry, you get more gerrymandering does screw things up, and I get that. And you know, but I definitely think that. Um, the argument is still there for the federal government versus the state government versus all this. And again, it's 
we can't get into this, guys. It's going to take yeah, forever. Yeah, too long. But just, just yeah. let me. Yeah. I am going to say this on a recording because I haven't said it on a recording yet. I'm going to say what Dave Chappelle said, and I know that it's harsh, but I like it. I like what he says, and it's something to think about. He says, oh. "I believe." that the woman has the sole right to decide what happens to her body. I 100% agree. When it comes to her pregnancy, if she wants to terminate the pregnancy, I say she has that right. However, if she chooses to have that child, then the male has the right to abandon that child and not be held responsible for 18 years within the government. That is a weird thing to say, but think about the rights of both people. So let's not discuss this because <laughs> I have a <laughs> lot so of many opinions. And mostly it has to do with if you're going to force women to have babies, then you need to hold them well, accountable because it takes two people to make a baby. But that's the point. If you're not going to force them to have babies, do you need to hold the man accountable? Um, it depends on, well. It's just if the woman chooses to have the baby and the man did not want to have it. Not that I'm advocating this position, I'm clarifying. But see, now this, so then this again goes back to only women get to decide that life is sacred. Men just get to decide that life is not sacred and that we don't hold men accountable for the sacredness yeah, of life. The man, I mean, that's absolutely the true. Have, that's because the that discussion. creates, that furthers yeah. the, the situation that we're in now, which is my health care pays for the baby, not Dylan's. Yeah. My job, I have to figure out how to find childcare, which is $900 a month. I'm going to be on a, I'm going to be on Blue Ridge Public Radio talking about ex how expensive childcare is. Mm -hmm. It is, it is, it takes two people to create a human being. And when we start allowing men to decide that that's not a sacred choice, we're in a really dangerous place. That's, 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 I mean, there's, and that's, so yeah. I think culturally just letting men off the hook and saying, well, if you want to make babies and not give a shit about them, that's fine. What does that tell men? What is what kind of a what kind of a generation of men does that raise? Yeah, but it takes both to make the child. Exactly. So both. both should be responsible. So if the man says, I want you to have an abortion and the woman says no, that's okay. Well then I guess you should wear a condom. But shouldn't you? Is that you know what? I am so tired of men saying it's not my responsibility to be responsible for my sperm. Yes, it is. If you don't want to have a kid, wear a condom. If you don't want to have a kid, don't have sex. If you don't want to have a kid, then go get a vasectomy. I love I mean, there that. There are lots That's of options great. for men. They don't take that choice. They don't take that that, that route. I mean, she's not wrong, Ricky. You, if you just so back if, up the point of decision, yeah. It, men, no, no. Men, you, every man that yeah. makes a decision to ejaculate inside of a woman with no protection has made a decision to possibly roll the dice for a child. Yeah. You need to be responsible but, for that, no, but period. But, but that's like saying that the man, like, is the man saying to the woman, I'm not going to wear a condom. Yes. And the woman says, okay. I cannot tell you how many stories I know of women saying, is there a condom on there? Laura McCleary, she's a, a, a I, personality. I literally know a person right now that is that is, that is pregnant because their partner chose to remove the condom during sex. Yeah. Like yeah. This, this, I know that's that's like a thing yeah. that I literally— And if a, so if, now, again, if mean, a woman says, don't, you don't need to wear a condom, again, you're an idiot then, not, sir. Yeah, exactly. Well, so I'm idiot. guessing you yeah. didn't like what Dave Chappelle said. No. <laughs> okay, <laughs> we need to back. We need to back out of yeah. this. Yeah, yeah, gonna, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. not so you that it doesn't know. deserve yeah. discussion. I, lo I love but you both we need very to back much, out of this. and everything is cool. Yeah, yeah, so yeah, yeah, totally. This is all talking, and I, fortunately, I'm past beyond. I'm beyond having the kid thing, and I took care of all my kids. Yeah, my kids are with me, and I love them. <laughs> and so I'm not going to make choices for everybody else in the world. Okay. Yeah. All right. Are we rolling, Andy? 